It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavist, licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and therapeutic nutrition counseling. You know, this past weekend, thanks to Cara and Nell, who had a great show about Nell's 90-pound weight loss journey, I was able to spend time with my roommates from my senior year in college. Now, that's 54 years ago. I had a major in psychology and a minor in fun. (laughs) This weekend, there was some surprising insights for me. I learned that not everyone knows that butter is better than margarine, or that kale is a common breakfast food, or soy has estrogenic properties, or that gluten is inflammatory for many people, or that it is better to order broiled uh, walleye than deep fat fried fish, so that you can avoid the trans fatty oils. Or just because brownies have shredded zucchini in them, (laughs) it doesn't mean that they're healthy. I know that all of our long-term listeners are kind of laughing and saying, I know all this, and they know the correct information. But it's still... To my surprise, it is not common knowledge. No, it's not, Dar. You you live in a bubble. <laughs> I think so. So this weekend, I used my major in nutrition education to educate my friends, but I also kept my minor in fun. I bet you did. <laughs> so I have such an appreciation for not only my nutrition knowledge, but for my own nutritional habits and the great health, both mentally and physically, that I enjoy. Especially at my age, I just really appreciate it. You know, and I ever, and really encourage everyone listening to get on the weight and wellness eating plan and exercise several times a week. Um, you know, I know, I really do know that you'll appreciate your efforts in a few years, if not sooner. So joining me today as two, I have two co-hosts and both are registered and licensed dietitians. First, Brenna Thompson, who you may have had a nutrition consultation from or taken a class from, or you may have had seen her several times on CARE 11 News, and she will also be on Monday. You're going to be on again September 15th. Yes, so not this Monday, but no. the one after. Okay, Yep. at 4 p.m., and you're going to be talking about what? Going gluten-free the healthy way. So welcome to the show, Brenna. Good morning, Dar. And talk about our topic. What are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're going to talk about PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, and almost 10% of women of the childbearing age have PCOS. And it's the most common cause of female infertility. PCOS has many symptoms and several different causes that we're going to talk about today. So also joining us today is Jamie Carlson, who again is a registered and licensed dietitian, and she consults clients at our St. Paul office. And she also by phone and by Skype, Jamie, we all have clients with PCOS. Yeah. What what symptoms do you see? Well, often we see PCOS um, is actually really difficult to diagnose because the signs and symptoms really vary from client to client. Mm-hmm. Um, but one common one I think that we normally see is irregular menstrual cycles. Um, 
if a woman is having irregular menstrual cycles, that usually means that um, she's experiencing infrequent ovulation as well. So pregnancy might be difficult to achieve. So when we've got maybe a client with infertility, we might assume or not assume, but we might, you know, well, we jump might to think thinking at least. they might have PCOS. Right. Exactly. Yes. And PCOS has also been associated with spontaneous miscarriages and preeclampsia. And preeclampsia is when a pregnant woman develops high blood pressure and protein in her urine after the 20th week of pregnancy. You know, that's yes. a word that we hear all the time, preeclampsia, preeclampsia. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I every time I think, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> so now we just know that it means what? It means high blood pressure and protein in the urine. Yes. For a woman who pregnancy. is pregnant. Yep. Yes. It'd be so much easier if they just said that. <laughs> it would be, but I mean, and what people need to understand is that it's a very, very serious, da- serious and dangerous condition. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, but let's describe a little bit um, more about what PCOS is. So, normally every month, um, one to two eggs are released from the ovaries during a woman's cycle. This happens about midway through, and most people know this is called ovulation. Well, I'm not so sure that they do know that. <laughs> Maybe they don't know, but sometimes they don't. If they weren't paying attention in middle school. <laughs> so when a woman has PCOS, um, this process happens a little bit different for them. The eggs are not released. So instead, these eggs stay inside the ovaries and they divide and they develop into actually small cysts. So that's where this name comes from. Um, poly meaning many, and then cysts in the ovaries. So that's where we get the name polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, you know, I think we should talk about this just a little bit more. So maybe let's describe that a little bit more. Um, Again, what happens? How do do people get these little cysts? So normally someone, you know, every month when we talk about ovulation, those eggs are being released into those fallopian tubes. Mm -hmm. They travel down to the uterus. But With a woman with PCOS, these eggs are staying in the ovaries, they're dividing, and then as they divide, they're developing into tiny cysts that kind of, I don't know, I think it's like grapes. Yeah, it looks like a bundle of grapes, and it kind of bundles all around each ovary. So some people feel like almost swelling in their ovary Mm -hmm. spots as well. Okay. And it can be very painful during ovulation when that happens. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, some other symptoms women with PCOS have, they have excess facial and body hair. Yeah. They have adult acne, male pattern baldness, and depression. And again, PCOS is the leading cause of infertility in women. You know, often when a couple is trying to get pregnant, uh, that's when we see them, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's you know they're looking they're looking for a solution, so then they're ready to try nutritional counseling. Well, that's often when the woman is finally diagnosed. Yes. Yeah. With PCOS yeah. is because they've been trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. and they can't. Right. And so. So and we do know that there is a big connection between their nutrition and to the PCOS. Yeah. And part of the problem with with PCOS and why it's hard to diagnose is that there's currently no specific test to definitively diagnose PCOS. Um, Doctors will look at certain um, kind of body signs. So they'll look at irregular periods or a lack of a menstrual cycle. Um, They'll look at you know, their body weight. So if they're obese, they look at coarse facial hair or body hair, uh, male pattern baldness, um, even poor breast development. So you can see why this is a hard topic for women, too, because these aren't characteristics that they probably desire as well. So it can be a really, like, emotional journey mm-hmm. for these women. Well, Definitely. When we talk about the coarse facial hair, yeah. it's it's not just one or two little yeah. hairs. Oftentimes women will almost have, like, a full beard. Yep. And... You think of, I guess, the example that I always thought of was the bearded woman at 
a yeah. like a circus or something, yeah. right? Most of the time they they weren't diagnosing it mm-hmm. at that point as PCOS, but that's probably what they had. Yeah. That's probably true, Brenna. Like more that's... male characteristics. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as nutritionists and dietitians, we always look for the cause. We're getting to the root cause. That's what we look at. <laughs> it is. So we ask the question, what are some of the causes of PCOS? Well, insulin resistance has been identified as a significant factor in the development of PCOS. And I think, Rena, really, this is often a surprise to many of the clients. When we start talking about insulin resistance with a client, they have never heard of that as being one of the root causes of PCOS. Mm-hmm. No, they've probably just been told, oh, it's something with your estrogen or your progesterone. They just know that their hormones mm-hmm. are off. Are off. Mm-hmm. But they don't know, they haven't been told, oh, it goes back to insulin. Right. Yeah. So then I think as a nutritionist or dietitian, we have to ask the question, what causes insulin resistance? Mm-hmm. You know, insulin resistance is part of so many different disease states. You know, insulin resistance is, it increases the risk factor for heart disease. It's an in risk, you know. Yeah. People that with insulin resistance have more heart disease. Yeah, and it also increases risk factors for obesity as well. And we know that for sure. Mm -hmm. Because that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And insulin resistance is an increased risk factor for breast and colon cancer, just to name a few of those. So what causes insulin resistance and what can you do to avoid insulin resistance? So I think what we probably should do is take Go a to break. break. Yes, and then and we'll come, come back, back and answer that? that question. Okay. Yeah. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know those ramen noodles so many college students live on because mm-hmm. they're cheap yeah. and easy to get a hold of, <laughs> convenient and supposedly tasty? Yes. <laughs> Did you, Brent, I have a little story to tell you. Uh-huh. Did you know that they actually have a little dish now that they make, put, that you can make the ramen noodles in now? Wait, like you microwave it? Yes. A well, special I know there's like, kind of there's dish. There's cup ramen where I, it's already in the little cup and you just add water and stick it in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because that's well, that, easier than putting them in a, another pot or something. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not a health food. <laughs> Researcher Dr. Frank Hugh from Harvard School of Public Health found that women who ate these ramen noodles twice a week were 68% more likely to have metabolic syndrome, which includes abdominal obesity, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol. That's shocking, Brenna. That's huge. 68%. 68% with metabolic syndrome. And certainly if they're eating a lot of ramen noodles, they're probably not eating other stuff too. Eating a lot of other nutritious foods either. So Dr. Hugh said instant noodles are not a part of a healthy diet. And in our weight and wellness class, we direct people away from eating noodles and toward eating more vegetables. But if you've got questions about PCOS this morning, give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. If you're like me, you try to eat right, but the definition of healthy eating seems like a moving target. Should I eat low-carb or low-fat? Do eggs and butter raise my cholesterol? Is coffee good after all? Don't rely on sound bites and infomercials for something as important as your health. You deserve recommendations based on biochemistry. Nutritional Weight and Wellness is offering My Talk 1071 listeners a complimentary e-newsletter that is chock full of nutrition information and tips. The Weight and Wellness Way newsletter provides sound information and practical strategies from a nutritionist's perspective. 
Learn a natural approach to healthy eating based on real whole foods you buy at the grocery store. All this and best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the complimentary Weight and Wellness Way e-newsletter, go to weightandwellness.com and enter your email address. Then watch your inbox every month for nutrition news and special offers that will help you look and feel your best. For information on other services at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, call 651-699-3438. Dishing up nutrition. There was a lot of nutrition research reported um, in the media this past week, so I just want to talk about um, one study that was funded by the National Institute of Health and was published in the Annals of Internal Medicine. Um, this study showed that in real life settings, um, cutting carbs helps people lose weight um, without counting any calories. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that all the time. I have a lot of clients that are kind of long term calorie counters come in struggle maintaining their weight, you know, feel like if they go over 10 calories, they gain weight. And then we switch them from kind of reducing carbohydrates, replacing, you know, processed carbs with vegetables. And voila, their their weight seems to like, you know, be able to maintain more effortlessly. And it's amazing because they'll sit there and they'll say, well, don't, don't I need to count calories? Yeah. And it's stressful. How do I track I this on my, my, you know, iPhone yeah. or something? And you're going, you don't have to. Yeah. That's right. And isn't that great? You know, it is. I mean, such like a restrictive lifestyle, I feel like to have to, to count everything you eat. So it's mm-hmm. great news for us because that's what we're teaching every day. Exactly. So what you, what you really, what you, you found for most people, and that's what I think we all find, is it's, it's really easier to just kind of cut back, mm-hmm. replace bad carbs with yeah. good carbs. That's I've, an easier concept to understand than how many calories is in every almond that I eat or something like that, you know. <laughs> or That's, reading every label. Yeah. And, oh, no fun. No. no. So this is exactly the kind of information that we teach in our Nutrition for Weight Loss classes. You know, and we even take it to another level. And yeah. we teach people how to substitute healthy carbs such as vegetables for all those processed carbs such as bread, pasta, noodles, bagels, and muffins. And I know people think, oh, I'm not going to eat vegetables in place of my muffin, <laughs> but we make it healthy and fun to eat this way. And then they try it. Around week four, they start trying it. Yeah. And so, they like it. You know, like my friends had never, ever had kale. They had never eaten kale. <laughs> and so I had a big bunch of kale, and then I chopped it up and sautéed it in butter, and we had it for breakfast, and they were like, wow, this is really good. This is tasty. <laughs> you know, and, you know. So really, when people start eating this way, they lose weight, they feel better, and they don't feel deprived. And finally, the research, this is great news, <laughs> supports the message that we've been teaching for the past 10, 20 years. Counting calories is not very helpful when it comes to weight loss. Because a calorie is not a calorie. It's a temporary thing, but it isn't a permanent life yeah. process. So if this fall you're looking to, you know, not only lose weight, but make this kind of lifestyle change as we talk about, um, I suggest signing up for the Nutrition for Weight Loss classes. It's a 12-week series, and we have classes going on in St. Paul, Wyzetta, Maple Grove, our new office in Mendota Heights, uh, Lakeville, North Oaks, and they're all starting uh, the week of September 16th, 17th, and 18th. So, Brenna, you know, when before we went on break, we were talking about PCOS. We were also talking about that it is really a little difficult to diagnose. So you pulled out your books like you <laughs> usually do. <laughs> you just, you know, as a dietitian, you just carry books <laughs> yes. and research in your bag all the time. <laughs> 
But I think what we were hitting home was the fact that PCOS is so difficult to diagnose because the symptoms can range from person to person. Mm -hmm. And some women might have a lot of the symptoms. Maybe they have the balding, but they also have the facial hair. Mm -hmm. But maybe they don't have the string of cysts on their ovaries. ovaries. Mm -hmm. Versus maybe another woman has a lot of the cysts on her ovaries, but it isn't having some of those more outward signs yep. mm-hmm. or symptoms. Mm-hmm. So that's why it becomes difficult to diagnose because maybe some of your symptoms lead you down the wrong path exactly. of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And it can mm-hmm. kind of take a while to come back and mm-hmm. get it all straightened out. And then we were also talking about some of the causes of PCOS. And mm-hmm. one of the causes definitely is insulin resistance. And then we were talking about, we were going to talk about, okay, so what causes insulin resistance? Because <laughs> yeah. it isn't just the people that have PCOS that has mm-hmm. insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. I think it, what is that? What's 80% an, of the population. 80% yeah. of the population has insulin resistance. That's shocking. I, I, I still think that's shocking. It's incredible. And so what's the culprit then, you know, of what's causing all this insulin resistance? And we find the real cause is around, um, around the development of insulin resistance is eating too many processed carbohydrates. Let's explain when we eat these processed carbs, our body, well, actually your pancreas, Mm -hmm. it's a big flat organ over on Mm -hmm. the right side of your abdomen. It produces insulin to carry carbs, to carry sugar into our cells for energy. But when we eat too many carbs for too long, the pancreas has to continually overproduce insulin. And then the cell receptors become resistant to it. And I think that's a hard one for people to get really understand because they know that it becomes like pre-diabetes and then diabetes. And then they always think diabetes means that we're not producing enough insulin. And that's Mm -hmm. part of it. I kind of explain insulin resistance as you walk into a restaurant and it's really loud Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can't hear anybody else talking and that's all you can focus on. But then after a while, you start to tune out that extra noise. And that's like the insulin resistance. Your cells start to tune out. They stop listening to the insulin yeah. mm-hmm. in your body. So you're making enough. You're making You're it. making way too much, probably. Yeah. Too much, especially in the beginning. Yeah. That insulin resistance, you're having really high levels of yeah. insulin. And that that all that insulin kind of overwhelms your cells. And like we had talked about, your cells kind of get like a hard kind of crust around them. And that's when we're not able to use, you know, our sugar, our food for energy anymore. So basically what happens then is the insulin resistant cells, and that's all your cells, it really basically cannot take in glucose any longer from the carbs and for, that we eat, and it can't put it into the cells, and then we don't have very much energy. Mm-hmm. So we start getting low in energy. You know, when our cells are insulin resistant, the pancreas continues to produce more and more insulin in order to push those, that glucose or that sugar into the cells, and that's what is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. It's how it's supposed to happen, but unfortunately, we might be getting too technical, but I think we have well, to I hope we're not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we are. Our listeners are smart. <laughs> they really are. But why can insulin resistance lead to PCOS? Mm-hmm. Another why. Another question. why. We're always asking why. Too much insulin stimulates the ovaries, to produce too much of the androgen hormones and estrogen and not enough of the good estrogen. So we have kind of these, we have different types of estrogen. There's Mm -hmm. not just one type of estrogen. We have 
uh, estradiol and estradiol. Yeah. And no, don't don't go get get too don't pregnant. get too tempted. I know. <laughs> yes. um, I get all excited about the biochemistry. <laughs> okay, so you have good estrogen, and then you have more of the toxic, toxic estrogen. Yes. yes. And when we are insulin resistant and our ovaries are producing too much estrogen, it's the toxic estrogen. Mm-hmm. It's not enough of the good estrogen or enough progesterone. Yep. Yeah, we're just to quit. If you're not ovulating, you're not making any progesterone. No, because it's after that little ovary makes that egg, that egg is what starts to produce more progesterone. Yep. Mm-hmm. So basically we know too many processed carbs like soda, cereal, you know, packaged foods, chips, french fries, bagels. These lead to, like we said, that pancreas to have way too much production of insulin, which then, like we said, leads to that insulin resistance. And potentially this could be a cause of PCOS. So how to stop insulin resistance and reduce PCOS so normal regular periods with ovulation can occur is the next question. So I think that it's a good time to just stop and, and go to take break. A break. Yes. And, and then we'll answer that when we come back. Right. And you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Just to remind our listeners, if you haven't caught on, our topic today is PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome. I want to share possible symptoms that you may have. So things such as multiple ovarian cysts, irregular, heavy, or non-existent periods, excessive facial or body hair, male pattern baldness, decreased sex drive, skin tags, infertility, depression, or weight gain. Wow, those are all, that's a huge Mm -hmm. list. That's a huge list of symptoms. And you might have one, you might have all. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But when we come back from break, Jamie and Dar and I will share possible solutions to this PCOS. If you have questions today, give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Just wanted to remind people that our, our Weight and Wellness series um, is starting the week of September 29th in many of our different locations. And again, that's our six-week series. Um, it's open to all but... Nurses particularly can earn 14.4 continuing ed credits, um, all the while learning how to, how nutrition can and will change their lives and potentially the lives of their patients as well. So um, if you have any questions, uh, call 651-699-3438 or go online to weightandwellness.com. So before break, we were talking about oh, a couple of, couple of things. What causes Insulin P- resistance? In, yeah, what causes PCOS? And we were talking about... The connection to insulin mm-hmm. resistance and what causes insulin resistance. All those yeah. processed carbs and soda. Right. So I find for many of my clients with PCOS, they have to be willing <laughs> to give up their soda, their beer, their bagels, their chips, their bread, their brownies, their fudge. You know, it's a long oh. list of food. <laughs> you said willing. I think you mean coerced sometimes. <laughs> so really what we're saying, they've got to give their pancreas a break. Yeah. Got to let it go on vacation for a while. Exactly. And something that I had someone come into our Maple Grove office and she was buying our vanilla cream stevia drops mm-hmm. earlier this week and said that she likes to put them in club soda, mm-hmm. which I had never thought of mm-hmm. doing. Uh, but and she I was said, saying I do. I, do, I went to Mexico this summer and we did that the whole week. We just got club soda and we brought different flavored stevias and. You can do it when you go out to eat, too. Right. When everyone else is drinking soda, mm-hmm. you bring your stevia. And your get, stevia. Get soda. I have some people who maybe they get the iced tea, mm-hmm. and they'll put the lemon yeah. in the iced tea, so it's like an Arnie Palmer yep. almost. But, yeah, she said when she puts the lemon or the 
vanilla cream in the club soda. It tastes like a cream soda. Yum. See, easy solution. So that's an easy solution. That's what we teach in our nutrition for yeah. weight loss and our weight and wellness. And yes, so that it makes it much easier to stay away from some of these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't teach people to put zucchini in their brownies. No, we don't. <laughs> Maybe you just eat zucchini though. Yes, that's right. <laughs> because it's delicious on its own. So I find with my clients, um, in addition to giving up those processed carbs we were talking about, they also need to stop eating something called trans fats and refined oils. So those are in things like um, French fries, bar food, uh, you know, things you'd get at Starbucks, like muffins, baked goods. Um, Which are all really high in carbs, too. Yeah, they definitely are. So um, bad and bad from two directions. But what we do want them to do is to incorporate more healthy fat. Um, we like to encourage people to get at least one to two tablespoons of healthy fat at every meal, every snack. So you're getting a lot of great fats in. Um, things like olive oil, butter, coconut oil, avocados, olives, cream, and nuts. So we've got a long list of good things that we can eat, too. So, so I think, though, Jamie, a lot of times when people come in and they have weight to lose because yeah. of their insulin resistance, they are in kind of a state of shock that we're yeah. asking them to actually eat more fat. Yeah, and that fat is going to help reduce that insulin resistance. Exactly. So. It's going to support the cell membrane a little yep. bit so that people can actually start using their insulin exactly. better. Exactly. And I find that with my clients, in addition to stopping the processed carbs and the bad fats, they also need to eat lots and lots and lots and lots of vegetables. (laughs) That's a kale thing again. Yeah, (laughs) or a zucchini thing. (laughs) So that they can help detox those unhealthy estrogens and androgens. I also recommend about 12 to 14 ounces of good quality meat, fish or eggs a day. Meat and eggs that are free of hormones and antibiotics are the best meats to eat. Mm -hmm. Definitely important to do high-quality foods. Because if you're eating, say, beef or pork Mm -hmm. that's been given hormones, Mm -hmm. then the residues from those hormones are still found in the fat Mm -hmm. in those meats. And then when we're eating it, we get them. And Mm -hmm. that would be a good thing to emphasize with doing organic dairy products, too, because that's a place where we see a lot of hormone use in the cows um, yes. coming out in their milk, and then we're ingesting that. And PCOS is a problem a lot of times of hormone imbalances, and those are just going to add to that imbalance. And the the bottom line is the food tastes better if it's organic. It does. Mm-hmm. It just tastes better. So, you know, to reverse insulin resistance and PCO, it takes some time, and it takes a commitment to your health. You know, we often talk about developing an attitude an attitude of wellness. You know, there's no pill to reverse PCOS, even though sometimes people think so. It is all about diet and lifestyle habits. So you need to have a willingness to make the diet changes and to develop this attitude of wellness. You know, you need to become so strong in your commitment to your health that you say to yourself, I can do this. You know, one brownie or one order of French fries is not the worth the stress to my ovaries or to my heart. And so when people start thinking in that terms, they become really empowered about the way they eat and about their health. And that's what we call developing that attitude, that attitude of wellness. (laughs) (laughs) You can guess that that's one of my terms. (laughs) It is. I can tell it's one of your terms. And it it is. And we talk about that at the end of our classes and with our clients that maybe they're coming in and, the weight loss is slow or mm-hmm. something else that they came in for. It's just, it's maybe it's just taking a little while for their body to heal, but yeah. they've seen other improvements mm-hmm. in other areas. And we're mm-hmm. like, 
focus on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, just take an example of Nell's story. Yes. And if you want to listen to that, that's going to, you know, you can listen to the show online. But, you know, it took her a whole year to get her body healed enough to lose weight. Yeah. That's so, 12 months of healing. Uh-huh. So. But then she lost 90 pounds. Right. It was worth it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So we looked at that, like what Nell had. She had a, probably a lot of insulin resistance going on. So we've kind of tackled this um, and how that's connected to PCOS. But let's look at um, obesity and how that uh, that connection between, um, you know, being overweight and having PCOS. So many, many studies have found that obesity contributes to PCOS. So what that means is, is as women lose weight, these studies find that their PCOS, PCOS symptoms reduce. Um and that's because the fat cells of women with PCOS are different than other women's. Um, they're often enlarged, and that enlargement impairs the body's ability to actually break down fat and regulate insulin. I think that's a key point, Jamie. Yeah. Because I don't think most women with PCOS understand what they're coming up yeah. against. And why it's taking so long. So, so like I said, those their fat cells are different, and so... Their body is not able to break down body fat as easy as maybe yours or mine. So actually, their fat cells are a little bit bigger. Yes. Yep. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And this just reminds me, I mentioned this the other day, that I knew a woman in Georgia who I found out had PCOS. And her doctor had told her that even if she went on a 1,200-calorie diet, she would never lose weight. Hmm. And she basically just... Discouraging. It's really really (laughs) discouraging. Mm -hmm. And I just now I think back to myself, oh, my gosh, if I could go back and tell her, like, yeah. you can lose weight. Yeah. We can help you. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. Just, so for many women, that's what they're up against. It's really difficult for them to lose weight uh, because, like we described, those fat cells, those enlarged fat cells that mm-hmm. these women have are really fighting against them. And so, mm-hmm. like Brenna just said, we want to encourage you that you can accomplish fat loss still. You can reduce your insulin resistance, but it's going to take some work. It's going to take Changing your diet. And some time. And support from a nutritionist, I think. Uh, PCOS is pretty complicated. and um, It's hard hard to stay as strict as you need to stay. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that just goes back to thinking about Nell and how women with PCOS, they too need to heal their metabolism. And we have to break down that insulin resistance around all of their cells, including it's like there's insulin resistance with their fat cells. And... We just need them to heal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, let's talk a little bit more. Maybe I just mentioned Nell. Maybe we should talk a little bit more about what happened with to Nell, you know, with the fact that she didn't lose any weight for the first year. Well, and that's an interesting thing because a lot of, we see that with our clients mm-hmm. is that some people come in and they make these changes and the weight just falls off. Yep. But then you have other people like Nell who it takes a while. It takes, you have to break down that hard, crusty shell of insulin resistance. And I always kind of shock some of my class members when I tell them studies have shown it can take nine months to two years for your body to kind of detox out those old, um, what is it, the trans fats, Mm -hmm. the damaged fats, because they get incorporated into our cells. And they don't just go away. You you don't just stop eating them. It takes time for your body to turn over mm-hmm. and clean itself out. And that's when we talk about healing, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And what a frustrating process that can be for a lot of women. But normally, like we said, a lot of other symptoms improve. So I think that keeps them motivated. 
So if you want to hear more about Nell's story, she was on last week, and you can go to our website, waitandwellness.com, click on past shows, and really, you'll get inspired, we promise. Yeah. We know. And so, what I, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, what I really liked about Nell's story last week was the fact that she started to talk about that not only has she changed her diet, but she's incorporated the exercise mm-hmm. yeah. into it as well. And I think that's important. Yep. And, and she found one that works for her. Yes. That's the key to that. And that she enjoys doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to do exercise if you don't enjoy it. Mm-mm. And you're not doing it to burn calories. Yep. You're not doing it to lose weight. I think you're, that's a great point. You're doing it to heal your metabolism and to get sugars yep. in your bloodstream to work better with your cells. Exactly. But so I, it is that time again. It is. It's time for our last break here. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Be sure to tune in next week and be ready with all of your nutrition questions because Leah and Dar will have the phone lines wide open for Ask the Nutritionist. Here's a little weight loss math. On any given day, 100 million of us are on a diet and we spend $20 billion a year on books, plans, bills, and surgeries. So how come for so many people, the number on the scale is so upsetting? It's like cholesterol and blood pressure numbers, higher than it should be. Are you looking for a new way to change those numbers? Then let me tell you about the Nutrition for Weight Loss program at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Now think about it for a minute. The approach is called Nutrition for Weight Loss, not feeling too hungry to sleep for weight loss or eating icky bars for weight loss. Nutrition for Weight Loss teaches you how to eat real food to leave you satisfied and in balance, how to use nutrition to naturally bump up your metabolism. It's based on sound science, not celebrities who make millions pitching products. Are you ready to see how it adds up for you? Then dial the number at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. It's 651-699-3438 or go online at weightandwellness.com to sign up for the Nutrition for Weight Loss program. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. So before break, Brenna was sharing many of the symptoms of PCOS. So what are some possible solutions? Um, first and foremost, we covered this. Uh, we need to eat fewer or uh, ideally no processed carbs. Um, and that's a huge step for a lot of people, but it, that's definitely the most important step to take. Probably the most important one. Yeah. Then what are some of the supplements that may help to reduce insulin resistance? Now, one of my favorite supplements is magnesium glycinate. You know, a study conducted in 2011 found that many women with PCOS have significantly low levels of magnesium. So I supplement with 300 to 400 milligrams of magnesium glycinate. Simple solution. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that you could try um, is something called chromium. And research shows a clear link between chromium and glucose and insulin-related problems. Um, it's a simple mineral. Um, you could take it three times a day um, to be beneficial. Um, I actually take this. I've got a little bit of what's called reactive hypoglycemia, and that's a big word for that. Your blood sugar drops pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find I take this and w- mixed with a another mineral called um, vanadium, yep. and I find that it does. It helps me to last between meals without kind of hitting those kind of bonks. So um, you can find this in a supplement called Glucocontrol. Um, it contains 1,000 milligrams of chromium. And I think this one's available at our St. Paul office, or you can always get them online um, on our new Nutriki website. So a question 
a technical question, Brenna. Yes, Dar. Chromium. Is that <laughs> micrograms or milligrams? Uh, if you give me a second, I can look it up. Okay, <laughs> well, well, we'll go on to the next thing. Well, <laughs> I think it's milligrams. Oh, okay. Because okay. So. sometimes it's, you know, some of these B vitamins, you never <laughs> yes. know for sure. How much you can no, do with them. It's micrograms. Ooh, it's micrograms. Okay. That's tiny, tiny amounts. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's what I thought when I, I, you know, just a little typo here. <laughs> so... Again, you know, another supplement that would is really, 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 really beneficial is, you know, and we can't say enough about is vitamin D. You know, researchers found that women who have sufficient vitamin D levels were less likely to develop insulin resistance. So it is really important to have your young girls and even young boys check for vitamin D levels. Or if you live in Minnesota and you work inside, you just need to have your vitamin D levels checked. Yes. And Dr. Sarah Gottfried, she cites a study showing that 44% of women with PCOS were vitamin D deficient compared to only 11% of controls. Okay. So, and I, I, it would be really interesting to know how many people in Minnesota, when they are checked, unless they've been taking supplements of vitamin D, are actually. Uh, low on vitamin D. Mm-hmm. I'm having clients come in even now that have been supplementing and they're still low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, when you don't get out in the sun, it's mm-hmm. not quite the same. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have that very much here. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's a lot of other supplements um, that could help to reduce insulin resistance and toxic estrogen buildup. And that's another reason we would encourage you to, if you've got PCOS, to really work with a nutritionist because we want to find the supplements that are right for you. We don't want you spending money on a bunch of different things. We'd rather work with you and find exactly um, what's going to work for you. But something you could start in the meantime um, would be a simple habit um, to start making a protein shake for breakfast. So you'd use some of the Wellness Whey protein, um, something called Dynamic Greens, which is a powdered form of um, vegetables and fruit. And it's got a little of that kale in it. Yes, it does. <laughs> you can't even taste it, so I'm sure your friends would like that too. My favorite's the chocolate. Yeah. Mine's the espresso. Oh. So um, so then also adding some coconut milk from the can, um, that full-fat coconut milk, doing some fresh or frozen fruit, and then a tablespoon of ground flaxseed. And the flaxseed's really important for this because the flaxseed is what helps reduce something called androgen levels in mm-hmm. women with PCOS. And remember... Um, when these androgen hormones are high, this can be what's causing a lot of those undesirable things like the facial hair, the male pattern baldness. So we want to reduce those and the toxic toxic estrogens. And so this shake is designed to do that, to help exactly. bring those lower. Mm-hmm. So And a simple thing to do. Very easy. A way to get it in. Yeah. So. And delicious. So, yes. Mm-hmm. So there are many different s- supplement solutions. You know, but again, like Jamie just said, we find it best to work with a nutritionist so that you can, you know, we can really get the right formula, the right supplements for your body. So you can call 651-699-3438 to set up an appointment, or you can go online at weightandwellness.com. And we were, we're talking, talking, you were going to share something else, I think. I was? Well, maybe not. Oh, what was I going to share? No, I, maybe not. <laughs> Well, we when we asked the question, we were talking about PCOS and what causes it. Um, so we talked about insulin resistance, right? And we found, um, or we know following a weight and wellness eating plan is a good place to start for everyone to reduce that insulin resistance. Um, and like we've said, we believe working with a nutritionist is going to be, you know, where you're going to find yourself most successful, I think. 
because it takes a lot of support. Yeah, it does. To change that basic biochemistry Mm -hmm. that's off balance. It does. And one of the, so we talked about insulin resistance and certainly insulin resistance can lead to weight gain. Yep. And then for women with PCOS, they have these enlarged fat cells and it's hard to kind of break into those fat cells and Mm -hmm. utilize that fat for energy and to burn it off. But the solution we would say is to sign up for a nutrition for weight loss class starting up on September 16th, 17th and 18th. And as a young woman growing up, I was eating that high carb, fat free diet. And even though I didn't necessarily have the weight problem mm-hmm. that is typically seen with it, it doesn't mean that I didn't also have a lot of other health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, mine kind of came more in the formation of poor bone health. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of stress fractures mm-hmm. okay. growing up. So interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> And so sometimes that the learning of this needs to start earlier uh, rather than later. Some research suggests that girls who develop um, pubic hair early in life, often before the age of eight, have signs and symptoms of PCOS. So I've been having a lot of college students lately and their moms or parents have got them in right before they go back to school. And I just think like, what a blessing that would have been to have had that kind of information before you go to school. A lot of these are freshmen in college and to have known those things prior to college, you know. Gosh, I think that and, all the time. Yeah, and not eat some of the things you did. And college is a time where you need to be on your game, right, with whether you're in athletics or you're, you know, an athlete. You need to be healthy. And so I think that's a great thing for students to do and learn these concepts early mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's interesting because we're hearing more and more report, reports about not only the pubic hair, but about young girls going into you know, they're starting to have their period at a very young age. Yeah, and that's not normal. At seven or eight, mm-hmm. yes. you know, that's not normal. And there's a big percentage of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think as nutritionists in the past, we thought this early development of these young girls was related to hormones and milk. That's what I always thought. Yeah. But actually, the research has found that it isn't the hormones in white milk as much as it is the sugar in soda or juice or cereal or those treats you know, that kids think they have to have. You know, again, we go back to high-carb eating that often begins with toddlers, and then it starts to create insulin resistance in young people. And, you know, you may have noticed that some people, some young kids have larger stomach areas. Mm-hmm. Or I'm seeing that on a lot of teenagers where they have the, even though maybe they're in athletics, they have yeah. the thin legs and arms, but they all have little tummies now. Yeah. And we know that belly, little bit of a belly, is what we call an insulin gauge. It is an insulin gauge. So basically, the larger the bigger the belly, the more insulin resistance. And for young girls, their hormone levels get messed up. And so by the age of 11, 12, 13, they have PCOS. It's really sad, isn't Mm -hmm. it? They're so young. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it starts so early. And I think there are some simple food substitutions that we need to protect our young girls and ourselves from PCOS and infertility. So first, stop buying juice and soda. Juice has just as much sugar as soda. It really does. And instead, drink things like water, whole milk. Those are good choices. Mm-hmm. And you did say whole milk, didn't you? I did you? say whole mm-hmm. milk. Whole organic milk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Another thing would be to stop buying cereal, which I think is a really hard habit for people. People love cereal for breakfast, for snacks. Um, in place of those, start cooking eggs and vegetables and sausage for breakfast. Or make that smoothie that we had talked yes. about. If you've got a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, hand them that smoothie as they're running out to the bus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
and stop buying French fries and chicken nuggets. You know, we have some interesting research in our weight and wellness class that shows that when, well, I think we we can't, we'll have to say that for the next, yep. It messes with your hormones. Yep. Stop making that and stop buying the French fries and make some chili. And instead of pancakes today, go cook some eggs. (laughs) And have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening. Drop all its petals on me. Life, I love you. All is cruelly. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.